there's a better way to introduce a student to piano than by opening a method book on that first day, pointing at middle C on the score and then pointing to it on the keyboard and saying, right, that's middle C. Here's what it looks like on the music. Let's play some middle C's. Have you ever thought about teaching a beginner with no book? No method book at all? What would you do? You might be thinking, well, that's what Tim Topham is going to tell us today. His approach called No Book Beginners. And he's going to tell us why this is beneficial and get students engaged and learning musicianship skills even before getting the method book out and this whole idea of delayed reading. So I'm really excited because Tim Topham is a rock star and he agreed to come on the show. Hope you'll enjoy. Welcome to the Piano Sensei Way. I am your host, Clinton Pratt, and I'm here to help you master the art of running a successful piano teaching studio. I'm really excited to have rock star in the piano teaching world, Tim Topham, with us. And I will just let him introduce himself if you don't already know him now you will and i'm sorry that you've missed out on his stuff before but <laughs> tim welcome and tell everybody where you are and what you do thanks Clinton. thanks for having me on your show i've been watching the evolution of your your show uh, over the last few months and really enjoying listening to them so congratulations on kicking it all off and thank, thank you for you. having me again it's um great to be here so i'm tim topham i run topmusic.co I'm a piano teacher and also a classroom teacher. So I actually taught classroom uh, in a variety of places in the world and a variety of different subjects actually over the course of about 20 years. And then as I started building uh, top music and seeing some growth there, I decided to leave my uh, teaching job around 2016 to focus full time on the uh, top music, work with working with uh, other teachers around the world to try and just support them to teach as well as they possibly can and also to run a really sustainable business. So they're kind of the two streams we have. And I don't teach a whole lot at the moment. I actually have some adult students who I love, uh, one of whom was a student that I taught at at one of the schools I taught at. So it's been really fun to have him back as an adult doing early intermediate, sorry, early advanced repertoire now. Um, so that's, yeah, it's fun how these kinds of things come full circle sometimes. And I do apologize in advance if you hear a bit of hammering or anything in the background, we are midst renovations. Yeah, no problem. It's pretty uh, casual here. And uh, yeah, I think I first met you in person at a, a piano teacher conference. Maybe it was um, NCKP, but I saw that you're also going to be at MTNA in Atlanta you're the keynote speaker, right? <laughs> I'm very excited. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's um. It, it actually. So I first spoke at a conference in America in 2015, which may have been mm. when we first crossed paths. Uh, and I talk about that in my book because it was kind of revolutionary in some ways for me. Some of the things that I learned at that conference. Um, and so this is what next year will be nine years on. And I always thought I would love to keynote one of these conferences. And I get the opportunity to next year, which is both terrifying and a great honor. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it, it'll be great. So good luck. And uh, yeah, I'll see you there. 
Um, no doubt you'll be yeah. doing many presentations. I think the last conference we were at not long ago, you had about four or five or something. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about four or five, but yeah, I I do always submit proposals, and yeah, they've been choosing mine, so that's good. So let's talk about beginners, how to teach beginners, how not to teach beginners. <laughs> um, you know, make them read music before they can play it out. Um, that whole thing. So mm. I don't know what. Where yeah, just start? give us. Yeah, a, yeah exactly. It's Where should we topic, start? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I, it's obviously very close to my heart, and I've been thinking about this and working with teachers on the very beginner lessons for years. And I'm really passionate about it because I just know that I just I, I've always kind of known that there's a better way to introduce a student to piano than by opening a method book on that first day, pointing at middle C on the score and then pointing to it on the keyboard and saying, right, that's middle C. Here's what it looks like on the music. Let's play some middle C's. What a fun way to start the, the experience of, of piano. And so I really wanted to, to find out what else was out there, what we could do instead of that, and then try that out with my students. And then if all went well, explain that and share it with other teachers to say, hey, look at all these different things you can do. Look at the benefits as well, because there's many benefits of not starting with the reading right in that first lesson. And here's a series of lesson plans that you can take away and try it out with your students. And so we've had uh, many teachers use this, this the approach I call no book beginners, uh, which is just to say, why don't we just leave the method books just for a few weeks? And let's just do some improvising, creativity, fun, musicality kind of skill training first before we introduce that reading. So um, right up front, I'm not against method books at all. Method books are absolutely the most brilliant, structured, scaffolded way to teach a student to read music, hands down. It's brilliant. All my thesis is, is that, is that the best thing to do in lesson one? And my argument would be a very, very good, very strong no. We can do much more interesting things than that. Yeah. And just to clarify, are we talking about a certain age group or does it matter? So like a 12-year-old beginner, same same approach? Yeah. Well, look, I would say same approach, i.e. don't start teaching reading for any beginner on any instrument, really. Let's, let's be honest. <laughs> I know that our guitar mm -hmm. teaching friends, they don't get out the method book. They don't teach reading right in their first lessons. Um, the drummers don't, I'm sure. And I would say for all instruments and all ages, um, the approach that I use called No Book Beginners is really designed for 6 to 11, 12-year-olds, which is, I guess, our primary market for beginner piano students. We have some resources for preschool that uses the same context or same approach. Um, for teenagers and adults, there are elements of the notebook approach that work. They just have to be reframed because it is designed for a younger audience. And mm -hmm. there's so much more. And I know you're um, passionate about teaching uh, students about harmony and pop and just the structure of songs and things like that, which really resonates with teenagers and adults, particularly at the start, because it can just be mind blowing, particularly for adults who've come back to learning an instrument as an adult when they did it as a child and they never realized, they were never taught. Oh my goodness, pop songs. I can make a pop song, I can play some chords and I can make music. So it's really fun to do that, I think, before the reading starts with adults and teens too. Yeah, and there's so many things that go in to playing an instrument and 
playing piano. You know, you got to play the notes and play your fingers and do the rhythm and all this stuff. So it, I, I've always thought it's, isn't it overwhelming to try to make somebody like here, you have to read it and play the right note and play the right uh, rhythm and play the right finger. Oh, and make it beautiful. And, you know, (laughs) and don't look at your hands or do look at your hands and all this stuff. And I remember learning viola, I think in fourth grade and the first several i don't know days or weeks was just trying to get a sound you know like we weren't reading it was just like mm, trying to make it not screech you <laughs> know right. i was trying to play jaws on like the low note I was like, okay i can play jaws and you know so with piano it's a little easier to make a nice sound because you don't have to like create the the pitch you just yeah we don't have to worry about the, the intonation of right right string but, instruments but still we have to like make music, like make a sound, right? So I've talked about this in other episodes, but you know, I'm passionate about improv and just doing that from the very beginning. I do that with in trial lessons with new students because I want them to go away feeling like, wow, I can play something and make music pretty much instantly without knowing very much, right? And then that sort of inspiration then leads to other things later. Absolutely. It leads to more engagement, more enjoyment, more playing when they're at home of their instrument. I mean, all of that is is just critical for connection with your student. The, the other thing that you get from improvising early on is you very clearly get a sense of this child's uh, inclination towards music. Do they enjoy it? Number one, are they rhythmic? Can they keep a beat? Are they listening to what they're doing? None of, we, we can't do any of these things if we're fixated on teaching middle C in those first lessons. Right. So I wonder if you could tell us some details or examples, like what would you actually do in the very first lesson or the very first thing? And maybe this is a separate question. I'll write it down. But um, if there's no book, then what do they do at home or do they even practice at home or do you expect that? Yeah. Right? But- Just brilliant questions, Clinton. So I'm really glad you asked. So the whole point of me putting together uh, this book and this, this, what I call a framework, I don't call it a method because it is very much something that teachers can dip in and out of and use as they wish. The reason I put it together was because I knew that if I said to teachers, hey guys, let's not do method book reading for a few weeks, go then teachers won't know what to do. And and I felt that as well. I thought, okay, well, I, I my challenge for myself, once I realized this was what I wanted to do, was to go, all right, my goal uh, was to teach Josh. He was the, the, the guinea pig student. I still remember very well. I wanted to teach him for 10 weeks, which is one term in Australia with no books. Now, I'm not suggesting that all teachers should necessarily wait 10 weeks before they start teaching reading, but I just wanted to challenge myself. Now, that meant I had to really devise a pretty structured and comprehensive approach to what do you actually do that's sequenced and, and flows through and balances the experience at the piano with listening skills and all of those sort of things. So the, the whole goal of No Book Beginners is to give teachers who've never done this or considered this before the confidence to try it out because what I do is lay out step-by-step here's exactly what to say, here's exactly what to do. And we've had thousands of teachers use this. And through the book, I give a lot of uh, testimonials and comments from teachers who've used it saying, sharing what they loved about it and how they used it themselves, how they used it and built on it 
with their own creative ideas too, which is really fun to share. So in answer to your first question, what do you do when your method books are taken away? Well, in that first lesson, we uh, one of the first things we do is once they're seated at the instrument, seated at the instrument, we get them to play something. Uh, we say, what would you like to play? Because every student, well, I think bar none for me, I don't know about for you, Clinton, who I've taken on as a beginner has been able to play something or wanted to play something. It doesn't matter if it's chopsticks, if it's the first four notes of fur release, it doesn't matter if you really hate whatever they play or it's awful. It doesn't matter. It's the first point of connection and it's the the thing that I recommend you do first. Don't worry about sitting position just yet or technique or anything. Just get the student to play, play some music and explore. And then listen, hear what they do, how they, what are they playing? Uh, what does that say about the music they might like later on? Um, how are they using their hands? How are they sitting? Uh, what are they listening to? Uh, you know, how are they listening? And then jam with them a little bit. Can you play just a few chords along with them? Can you put on the drum beat? Something, engage them with it, extend it. So that's kind of the first the first step. And just stop me at any point if you want to butt in, Clinton. Um, first step. Second step for me is is basic technique. And by that, I only mean let's get them sitting at the right height and know how to do that themselves. So we have some fun fun and games where they you teach them how to do it and, and they teach you back and you slouch at the piano and they try and fix you up, all that kind of stuff. Um, I also use a ladybug toy to, to sort of um, get them to check in with their arms and um, shoulders and, and hand position and things. And then the next part of the lesson is improv, um, which I know you are a big fan of. And the black keys are the best place to start. So we we do that. We start with a few notes on the black keys and I give the teacher accompaniments. We also have fully recorded and orchestrated backing tracks and we have a number of different styles. I've got about three different styles. There's kind of a boogie style. There's more of a pop style. There's a sad one, a happy one kind of thing. And they can explore those um, during lesson. And that's an easy 30 minutes there. Um, I tend to pack the lesson plans with more than you might need. So in actual fact, the 10 weeks, which is the full amount, could easily spread over to 20. And it all depends on your student, of course. Um, and then you asked about practice. So in the book, and I'm, you probably do this too, Clinton, and I'm sure your listeners do, one of the worst things to say to a student really is practice. Uh, so let's talk about play. I really think let's just play your instrument because play sounds fun, right? So we do give teachers a play plan a practice plan for their uh, children their students to go on with because that was one of the other big questions that I had as well I'm like okay so there's no method book what are they going to do at home great question so we actually specify well, I, I've specified it what they should be doing and what you can let them do and part of the reason of orchestrating these backing tracks and having the recordings available is so that they can continue to go on and do some more of the improv um, oh, we do another, we do a little animal improv as well in that first lesson. So they can make up a different version of that. They can teach their parent how to sit at the piano. There's, there's a number of different activities that will keep them progressing during the week. And then they're going to come back and be able to show you something new to start off the next lesson. Yes. Okay, great. My brain is spinning and stimulated because it's all very interesting. And I like how you say play instead of practice. I always thought that too. I'm like, we do say play the piano. So it should be fun, right? Like, why do we, we, we don't say, yeah. I'm going to go work the piano or I'm going to go, you know. <laughs> so we do say play and yeah, we should say 
We say play the piano, but we say do your practice. Yeah. And it's it, look, it's hard. I'm, I I automatically say practice as well. I've really had mm-hmm. to focus on changing my language around. Yeah, let's no, let's just play. And older teenagers and adults will kind of see what you're trying to do. Little kids will just go, yeah, I can play. That sounds fun. Right. And when it's not, you know, if it's a sport and you have practice, it's usually guided because you have a coach, you know. So, oh, I'm going to soccer practice or football practice but it's guided right so it's mm. of course that's all another topic i did an episode of practice <laughs> like but, dance as well right yeah. yeah so but piano is like oh practice piano within well what do i do so i like how you have that um laid out and that the student can play mm. piano while they're at home and play along with the backing tracks i love that too yeah. yeah, and getting the parents involved too. I think it is critical at those beginner stages, particularly with a six, seven, eight-year-old, get them involved. And so we do uh, do mention in the, the lesson plans ways to get the parents involved as well. Mm-hmm. So then is there a... So when it's no book beginners... Okay, right. I was thinking no method book, but it's no book at all. So is there something that the student does have that's not a book that they can reference <laughs> to remember what they're supposed to do. There's nothing physical for the student. Okay. The teacher can print out and I would recommend printing out the lesson plan. So it is a book for the, for the teacher. There's a teacher reference, I guess, but for the students, you can assign the play activities in whatever way that you feel works best. So you might write it in a notebook or an assignment book or on an app or whatever it is. Uh, but no, there's no specific book for them. Do you want to connect with other teachers in person? Do you want to learn new teaching strategies and explore outside the box approaches? Join us at the Creative Teaching Conference, a radical retreat to recharge and reinvigorate your teaching. This unique conference was started by me and my two friends and colleagues, Christopher Oyle and Tony Parlapiano, back in the summer of 2022. All three of us had so many ideas we wanted to share, but instead of trying to get selected for an MTNA or NCKP conference, we created our own event. We each present a few workshops, but we also have guest presenters as well. Topics include improvisation, composition, student-led learning. You'll experience inspiring workshops on creative teaching strategies and creative performance ideas. Learn about different ways to structure lessons, such as online groups, memberships, and subscription models. We eat meals together and plan social time so you can connect with teachers from all over the country, forming new musical friendships that will last a lifetime. Mark your calendars for July 7 to 9, 2024 in Cincinnati, Ohio. Check out creativeteachingconference.com for more info. So at what point do you bring the book in? <laughs> well, that's a really good question. And apologies again for the sanding that's just started behind me. <laughs> Hopefully it's not too loud, Clinton. Um, yeah, the, the great thing about this framework is that teachers can use it as they wish. So I would, for, for someone that's never done this before, I would just encourage a teacher to pick one student 
and try just one lesson and see how it goes kind of thing. You don't have to lock yourself into changing everything for all your students. Uh, a number of teachers will use maybe the first uh, three to five weeks worth of lesson material and then start introducing a method book alongside. There's also this great uh, around the world improv activity that goes over multiple weeks where they have a passport and different motives from different cultures of the world, heaps of fun. And I've heard a lot of teachers will use that alongside the read, introducing the reading that comes in at about week five or thereabouts. So it's super flexible. Teachers can use it as they wish. And that was a big thing for me. I'm not dictating you must do this for every student and follow it to the letter. Kick it off, try it out, see how it goes. And then different students may, you may use it differently with different students too. Right. So if you were the teacher, what would help you decide when to start bringing the book in, you know, like, is it, is it when they're getting bored with the improv? I'm assuming the answer is no, because that's fun forever. Um, you know, is it okay? It's, we're ready to have a different kind of structure or they can handle, you know, focusing on the page or what? Yeah, it's going to de really depend, um, on how they're interacting with the notebook activities. Um, I would suggest that you could start, I mean, it, it really, it, it, it just depends on also the goals of the student, where their interests lie, uh, how motivated they are that you feel to start reading as well. Um, and some of these things develop over time. You may, as you've kind of mentioned, you may feel them getting a little bit itchy feed and like, oh yeah, maybe it's time to introduce something different. Or maybe they're just flying with the improv and loving it and creating and composing and doing even more than you even asked them to. And in that case, well, go with it. The great thing is that all of this improv activity, the chord work, all of these things that you and I both talk about are all activities that deepen students' understanding of music. It is a better way in many ways than just more reading this unpacking, this creating, this composing teaches students so much about music, musicality, theory, harmony. So none of it is wasted. So if you do end up spending longer on it, it will, it will be a good thing in the end. There's no real downside to delaying the reading for a few more weeks if the student's having a great time. Right. And you actually started to answer my next question which, by the way, you didn't have ahead of time, and I'm just coming up with spontaneously. But, um, yeah, why do this at all? I mean, we talked about that a little bit before, but, you know, what what are the benefits or why delay the reading and, and the, the method book? Yeah, I, I feel yeah, quite strongly that the, there's a lot of challenges that tend to emerge after a few years of students learning, when we don't do some of these musicality skills right at the start. And by musicality skills, I'm talking about helping students clap back rhythms or echo play or sing notes that they hear. So playing by ear, uh, playing and understanding basic harmony, tonic dominant relationships, home keys, um, and super important, singing. Singing, absolutely critical. These skills, if they aren't introduced early and they don't become a normal part of a lesson, 
they're really become much harder to add on add later on so i've taken on many transfer students uh age sort of 12 13 14 who have very limited ability to clap rhythms that they hear or to sing in tune or to pitch match singing a note on the piano they will add a beat to three four without really realizing what's going on so these kinds of skills oh and they won't sing or they will you know be way too shy to sing even if they've got a wonderful voice so what we want to do is normalize as much of this at the start as we possibly can and so while i give you 10 weeks or thereabouts of these activities if you want to use them these kinds of activities should be a regular part of a lesson you know pulling out what what is the tonic home key can you hum the home key what's the baseline movement what kind of chords are used here um what's the difference between this in six eight and three four and you know it, all of these kinds of activities and students being able to just sing and play comfortably i'm yeah i, I just don't think happens when you go straight to method book reading that's the simplest part right and it's interesting because a lot of the method books they don't really introduce for example tonic dominant you know until later usually the beginning pieces are a little black key melody and you know and, and then not even hands together for a little while even though the student probably could play hands together even if it's just like a drone in the left hand or something, right? So, yeah, this is very interesting because, um, as you may or may not know, I'm a huge uh, Dalcro's Eurythmics um, mm. person, Dalcrosian. Um, and, you know, that whole idea is music is innate to everyone and you need to experience it in the body. And then later, you know, you introduce symbols and everything like that. So um, the body is the first instrument. And I've done certain activities with kids in, you know, kids classes that weren't even taking piano lessons where, you know, they have to listen for tonic and dominant or do and so, and, you know, do some kind of movement. When they hear that, they go up in the air and when they hear do, they hit the ground and yeah. they can certainly hear it. They can identify it even if they're even like four years old. I mean, mm. And, you know, but in method books that they're not even, okay, so you start the method book don't start it until they're six and then in the second book then they get tonic and dominant you know so yeah a lot of these things Maybe. i mm. right a lot of these things definitely can be introduced or prepared you know you don't even have to say tonic and dominant right like home or all these kinds yeah. of things so it's just getting me yeah. thinking about all that yes and i think yeah that ability for students as well to try and play what they hear uh, is becoming a, a really lost art with YouTube tutorials before YouTube. Of course you and I, uh, uh, me, certainly I'm probably, I don't know if I'm older than you. I think I probably am. Um, when I was younger, I had to listen on the radio recorded on my tape, something that I liked and then try and play it back. And I'd kind of wear out the tape as I played it back so many times to try and yes. work it out on the piano. That's not a skill that children, even my son was, randomly came and played the piano last night he hadn't played it for ages and he went straight to youtube to find out how to play something 
use your ear like you've got an incredible ear um but youtube sort of solves the problem right well it doesn't it creates more but right that's one thing that i really push in those early those early lessons is let's get them singing and listening and playing back what they hear and things like that because that's just such a great skill right yeah and what i usually do so the piano sensei way, you know, I mean, this is the name of the podcast, but the whole point is kind of tongue. I love in, it. It's kind of like tongue in cheek, egotistical, like my way is the best way. So take it or leave it. Um, but you know, I, we like learning new things and everything. So, um, up until now, yeah. The piano sensei way is sort of introduce all these things towards the beginning and at once, you know, so maybe I have a seven year old beginner. I would give them the method book, but, we're also doing, you know, first five or 10 minutes improv and doing this and singing and dancing and doing this. And then, oh yeah, let's open up this book. Look, these notes go up. So I kind of incorporate it all, unless they're even younger then then we don't do the reading at all. Um, but I do like this idea of, they don't even need the book for a little while. So we could, we could delay that. <laughs> yeah, and that's just a great approach, Clinton, because you're bringing in all these aspects uh, and you'll, um, and, and others who have a look at Notebook Beginners will probably recognize there's aspects of Kadai in there. There's some off concepts in there. Uh, I love Dal Crows and the movement. Um, there's just so many great approaches out there. So why not? Look, pull If you've done, you or any of the listeners have done some training in one of these things, pull that in, try it out, mix it up. You don't have to do the same thing and you don't have to follow a book all the way. Right. And I think a lot of teachers do recognize, for example, how children learn to speak a language is by listening and imitating first, and then you make the sounds, and then you form the words, you know, then you read it later, and then you write it later, right? We don't tell children, you can't speak until you can read it. I mean, that's ridiculous. So, you know, the whole Correct. Suzuki approach and all that. So I think most most teachers would probably at least acknowledge that but i think since the method book is right there they might think okay yes but we'll just do a little bit of like not reading and then and then we'll do the book right whereas really it's yeah i think it, it can be a hindrance especially trying to teach things by i don't even know what the word is it's like the opposite of rote right it's like let's look at the page here's this symbol that's a quarter note it gets one count now play the quarter right instead of like experiencing it first experiencing a steady beat and just playing a steady beat and then later like oh we can write it down like this or we read it like that mm. yeah that the whole language acquisition model was was one of the things that really triggered this desire in me i already had the thought reading from the start isn't the right way to do it. And then I went to that 2015 NCKP, which I think you were probably at as well, uh, where Dr. Edwin Gordon's keynote was read out and that was all about music learning theory and just so many things in my mind were like, yes, this is this makes so much sense. Then I started talking to other people about it and interviewing them on my podcast. And yes, this sound before symbol process makes so much sense. As you say, we wouldn't force a child to read before they can speak, get them speaking and making up words and, and having fun with it before that. Uh, but I, I do understand though that the tradition of the method book is so embedded in our industry that it is hard to sort of change 
change that approach. And that's what I really want to do with this. And that's why I provide such structured lesson plans is to say, you can, anyone can do this. And there's plenty of quotes from teachers in there who've never done this before and have, have managed it. They've gone out on a limb and broken through their comfort zone and gone, I'm going to give this a shot. And they've never looked back and it's changed not only their beginning teaching, but indeed also their approach to their older students. Right. And I can imagine, uh, oh shoot, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, okay. Got it. So I think part of it might be how to sell the parents too. You know, with, when there's no book, like, yay, here was your first lesson. Bye. And they're like, okay, what, like, where's their stuff? <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Particularly for parents who've had the traditional piano lesson when they were children. It, it's, yeah, parent, we, we have to teach parents as well at the same time for all, like, all lot, on lots of things on play or practice, on, yeah, just helping and supporting their children. So, yes, uh, in fact, and I do mention this in the book, uh, you know, what to say to parents. Um, and there's a great quote from Elisa Milne. I don't have it on the tip of my tongue, um, but basically it says, you know, if you say to the parent, would, would, you know, would you not like your child to be embracing music and having fun and enjoying things and creating music and stuff from the first lesson? And of course, parents would say, no, that sounds like exactly what I want. And so that you mm-hmm. know, I do answer that in the book. But it is important that parents know and don't try to teach every good boy deserves fruit and face and force reading if this is the way that you want to go. So yeah, you, you, I would recommend that you do chat with them about it, about your approach, why it's different, why you're doing it uh, and the, the reasoning behind it. And that's yeah answered in the book. Right. I'm curious if you have or have thought about creating a book for when you're going to start with a book, right? So instead of just, hey, you can use this approach and then, you know, then we're going to do the Piano Adventures favor first book. But since you've already done these other things, like I think it's a good idea. Maybe you've already thought of it. Now here's your book and some of it's related to what we've been doing already. Yeah, I haven't gone down that path because... Uh, I I think it's really difficult to structure out much further than the amount that I've already done because of the different directions that teachers go, their interests, the students' interests and things like that. What I have done and what I do encourage other teachers to explore is to bring in elements that I've shared in other blog posts and courses and videos like introducing them to the 12-bar blues and how that works in the blues scale introducing the pentatonic scale. So this can go on while the method books is happening and I would encourage it. And I know you would probably do the same thing where you, yeah, we, we do some improv on the black keys when they start, but then we can move to the pentatonic scale and then we can add some chords. So teaching them about four chord composing and the structure of pop songs and things, all of these things can go alongside their method book reading. I, I do also encourage teachers to what I call integrate the theory and the practice as much as possible. And by that, I mean, when a student is learning, let's say it's a early intermediate or mid intermediate piece, it's a Dennis Alexander piece or something like that. 
to help them understand how the composer has put that piece together by looking at the chord progression. What key is it in? What chords are we likely to see in that key? Can we find those in the left hand? What's the left hand doing? Is it sort of uh, playing fifths? Is it octaves? Is it chords? Uh, can we just pull those chords apart? What if we just play the left hand and then do some improv using the scale of the key of the piece in the right hand? Like there's lots of activities like that that you can do alongside the teaching of the reading and the repertoire that will again deepen understanding, help the student make connections for themselves in their mind that will help them with all their repertoire later on. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, we're getting close to the end of our time. And before we tell teachers where they can find out more and find you and all that, is there anything else that you want to say about this approach? I would just say if you've ever been a teacher who's kind of just questioned this, is is teaching this reading from the start the right way or the best way to teach my student? Or if you've had students that have just been a bit bored in those first few weeks, or if you yourself have been a bit bored with doing the same thing, introducing the same method book, the same pieces, and knowing exactly where they're going to use the wrong finger and forget that F sharp and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> if you just want to mix things up a bit, then I would say try this out. Honestly, the most classically trained traditional teachers have had success with this and as i mentioned before literally changed other aspects of their teaching because of the positive impact of this approach uh, and if you're sort of nervous at all then uh, grab the book have a look at the lesson plans follow through with them in your head i also share videos of me teaching the first five lessons at the piano demonstrating exactly what to do how to do it there's the lesson plans you can print out. There's the backing tracks to support. There's sheet music so that you can play along. All of that stuff is provided. So just try it out and then just choose one student. And if you wanted to and you really just wanted to tiny, tiny dip your toe in the water, then just pick one of the improvising activities or one of the games and just try that with one student and just see how it goes. Yeah, that's really good. I love that you have actual videos of you teaching the lessons I'm sure that's really helpful. Um, okay, well, that sounds great. I'm convinced. So tell everybody um, where they can find it, buy it, all of that. Fantastic. Well, thanks again, Clinton, for um, allowing me to share this with you and your audience. It's um, it's a real pleasure. Uh, the book, the information for the book is at topmusic.co slash book. Super easy. It will also be available in um, print on demand via Amazon. Uh, we haven't got the details of that up yet, but the book is called No Book Beginners by Tim Topham. So you should be able to search for it sooner or later and be able to find whichever version you want. But if you want, we'll also put links to Amazon and things like that on that page, topmusic.co slash book. Great. Okay. I'll put that link in the description and show notes. And Tim, thanks again. It's really been a pleasure to have such a rock star. Thank you so much for coming on the <laughs> show. And um, yeah, to everybody, um, feel free to make comments um, on the website podcast page, site page, um, thepianosenseiway.com. Also, there's YouTube video versions, so you can see our handsome faces. Um, YouTube, and then just, it's also The Piano Sensei Way. Thanks again, That's great. And I'm happy to jump in if um, questions or comments come through as well. Um, just let me know. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks again, Tim.
Thanks so much, Clinton. Thanks for having me.